Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and... Me, Will Warren, music enthusiast and also contributor to Trash. And this time on Track by Track, we are listening to and dissecting an album by my favourite band of all time, Duran Duran. Um, the album is Paper Gods, the, uh, the band's 14th studio album, which was released in 2015. It was a top five album. Uh, they worked with producers including Mark Ronson, uh, Mr. Hudson, Nile Rogers, and other collaborators like Janelle Monet and even Lindsay Lohan. Uh, Will, are you a are you a Durani? I am a fan. I think this is probably one of my favourite Duran Duran albums. Probably my second favourite Duran Duran album. I'm very much a fan of their more recent work. Um, and it's hard to believe this album is nearly two years... No, nearly three years old already. Um, it doesn't feel it, does it? No, it doesn't. And I think that's partly because they toured the arse off of it. And they toured for two years non-stop on this album. The Headline Festival, which is a, probably a real career high for them. And then the next year they played the Headline Common People Festival, which is by the same team that do festival. Um, and But yeah, they were all over Europe and America and Canada and Asia, so... Um, yeah, huge amount of shows. But I think their biggest tour to date, uh, top five album here, and also more, more critically acclaimed and more kind of understood, I think, by the by the press. This album certainly had a big. Uh, it was certainly welcomed commercially, very um, very openly. It was everywhere on the radio. I think there were a couple of tracks that were extremely popular. I think Pressure Off, track four. Um, and Last Night in the City as well, which featured, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, Kaiser? Kaiser, I think. Kaiser. Um, big singer a couple of years ago. Um, and I'm sure she's still around. Um, I think she definitely is still around. Um, so there was definitely a lot of buzz around this album at the time. Um, and I think as, as with every album that we, that we discuss on the podcast, we are going to go through track by track to talk about everything that's great about this album. Um, and maybe some of the things that we don't think are as great about this album. Maybe. <laughs> um, Should we dive in? Let's listen to track one, which is Paper Gods. album um did that whet your appetite for the paper gods i think it, it it was for me this first track is more of a more of a tease to kind of just as a hint of what's to come on the album i love the last couple of minutes that kind of real build um mr hudson there obviously large contributor writer and producer it's, it's set in the tone that it's not this isn't um rio part two or anything like that this is very contemporary sounding really kind of well produced and polished um collection that's still classic Duran Duran but but very much of of the time as well so you said you prefer the newer stuff what's mm. what's uh, and you said this is your second favorite what's your favorite album 
all you need is now. I think, I think for what you said for uh, is is very true. Where it has the real, it has that nostalgia, but it still sounds like them. And I think it's there are some brilliant tracks on this album that are that feel even three years later still feel very fresh. Um, and I think even more so in the last album, you've really got that feel that that's it's them. They're doing what they love. I love the fact that they want to do more, push things forward in this album. But I think the previous one for me was more where it was where it was really good. And this oh. is really good, but where it was even better. Yeah. Um, what I love about this song as well, I think um, a lot of sometimes you hear about Duran Duran's influences. Um, kind of, they've got quite their their influences range from sort of. Um, Lou Reed and Pink Floyd and Sex Pistols and all that kind of thing and sometimes it's difficult to pick that apart because it just sounds very much like you know really optimistic uh, fun upbeat music a lot of the time certainly to the casual listener but this I think is very um, I can definitely hear the Pink Floyd influences in this song and for me as a a fan that likes to hear what they're listening to as well that's great to hear well, let's move things on. Um, I think track two really does get things going. Um, so let's uh, let's get it on. one of my favourite tracks on the album I must say it feels like they're singing it's just they're singing Simon Le Bon and Kiza Kaiser Kaiser are singing act to each other Um, it's very powerful and it's one of it's one of their more clubbier dancier tracks which I really like what do you think? I think Simon Le Bon's vocals on this track I think his vocals get better, better and better all the time I think earlier in the band's career he was uh, sort of criticised almost as not being the best singer in the world I, don't, I think he'd sometimes doubted himself as a singer but I think now well, it's uh, so iconic his voice isn't it He's known, you know exactly where you are when you hear him sing exactly yeah and I've been looking to see it live and he, he can he can belt it out of the park and was Keezer there? Um, unfortunately not uh, a prior commitment yes um, SU somewhere I think <laughs> um, so they had Anna Ross who's their long term, long time, uh, back in singing. Did a very good job. Um, yes, it's uh, clearly very uh, influenced by EDM and music of, of now, which I think, as I said before, I think it's great. But I think this is one of those songs that really split the fans. For some of the fans, you know, it's quite difficult to pick out the guitar and, and, and the live drums compared to the, the electric drums. And if you see it live, actually, John Taylor doesn't play his bass he's a, a keyboard playing electric bass so it's it's not the the kind of classic organic Duran Duran band sound but still in my head that band put this song together um, well, they still made it they just use a different way of making it yeah um, and obviously for, for uh, keyboard wizard Nick Rhodes it's full of electronic whirls and swirls so it's uh, probably his his dream well whirls and swirls indeed mm. um Let's let's move on to track three now. Okay. 
instrumental, particularly the first kind of minute and a half or so before the vocal kicks in. Yeah, I, I, it's one of those tracks that you can kind of tell it just came around from Nick Rhodes just playing with the synths and seeing what sounds he can make. Um, yeah, and that's exactly what happened actually. So I think there was it was one of the. Um, I believe it was one of the first things they recorded as part of some the sessions for this album, just playing around, um, looking at rhythmic patterns and and live and electric drums and how the combinations work and what they could do. Um, I think to to try and something new and some new sound, and this is one of the first things that actually came about. And I think that's what's great about how the band write. You'll see on all or the vast vast majority of their songs all members of the band at that time are credited as songwriters. It's because their process is just being in the studio and jamming and seeing what comes out of that, um, which is great on this song. And they will get the royalties as well. Well, even better for <laughs> Roger Taylor on the drums. <laughs> what I like about this one as well is that last kind of almost a minute, I think, I have to go back and check, like, is that a guitar or is that mm. just synths? And it is just Nick Rhodes on the synths. And I think it shows what is one of the best synth players of, in history, you know his his uh, knowledge on these instruments and the sounds they can make, and the even the science behind them, you know, is testament to uh, to his his skill, his 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 musical gift. Yes, it's testament to his skill and musical gift. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, it, I'm I'm looking forward to this next track actually because it's an, a little belter. interesting to see the difference between the last two songs the the mood lifted in the room when that song came on we started bopping away we were jiving there's no tomorrow um it really was saturday night fever (laughs) um um it's that's a great it's a great pop song isn't it i think not just it's a great song on this album i think it's just a really good pop song i think we're here to celebrate good pop music and i think what a fantastic example Absolutely, and you just have to look at the the people who contribute to that song. You've got obviously Duran Duran, Nile Rodgers, the sort of legends, disco legends, the the Godfather of funk. I think uh, Mark Ronson played a part in that song as well. One of the best producers, or most critically acclaimed producers of the last decade or more, uh, and then Janelle Monae playing a part as well. So, just if that if that wouldn't have worked, then something was going wrong in the studio, and it could have been too many cooks, maybe, but it wasn't a case of that. It was. Uh, quite a dish um pressure off is more like pressure on absolutely um and i think there's just real really well crafted music and the guitars the beat um the hooks in there it's just it all comes together very nicely i can almost imagine that that moment in the studio when they were putting this song together and they i can only imagine that they they knew this was going to be the lead single because it is just so it's 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 heart, it harks back to Notorious and the kind of the funky work with Nile Rodgers then, but at the same time it's um, it's a much more pop. It's obviously got a very catchy chorus of everybody everywhere. It's very easy to sing along to, but it's just 
as you said, a fantastic pop song. No wonder it stayed at number one for five weeks. Did it? Uh, I wish. It should have done. I think it's, uh, as with many great pop songs, cruelly overlooked by Radio 1. Radio 2 played it to death, I remember when it came out. Yeah. Um, But something that could appeal to a very broad age group, I think, if it had been given that audience and that platform. I have to say, actually, being at the festival gig and the common people gigs as well, which is predominantly a a younger uh, festival audience. What were you doing there? Uh, research press <laughs> and this this song did they, it might have been the first time they heard it but this song had everyone bopping um, and I think let, let the bopping continue as we go into track number five the whole world is a meat spot on a plastic spoon you can going to say that I do like a, a long juicy outro to a song um, and obviously we've just listened to the whole song but on the on the podcast we only play a little clip so you mm. wouldn't have really got just just enjoy just squeeze every drop of enjoyment out of the last minute of that song because I love the way it just slowly um, slowly disappears um, a fade out you don't often get a fade out nowadays no I'm, it's a lot things are a lot more immediate um, I have a lot more punch to them um, we both agreed before we started recording this was our favourite song on the album yeah I think I'm going to go joint favourite song the other joint favourite we haven't played yet so I'm not going to reveal that just yet um, in- that's intriguing well I like to be mysterious um, but what was great about this song is when when um, Duran Duran started the Paper Goddess Project and they were doing what everyone does now and, and putting songs online early um this is so we, they 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 put on already um, the first four tracks, so this was the first brand new song. When you on the day you bought the album or streamed the album, this was the first brand new track, and what a treat for the ears! Um, what I love about this song is I don't, it doesn't sound like any other Duran Duran song. Was I can't it, to me it doesn't sound like big thing. It doesn't sound like um, Seven and the Ragged Tiger or Rio. It this for me is very much a a Duran Duran album track classic just for now just for 2015 when it came out um i think what i what sets it apart for me i love the the strings in it and i love the the synth in the, in the back and that's part of the outro is the way that just continues doesn't relent as, as the song goes out where the vocal does does drop off a little bit before the song finishes and i do enjoy that yeah in a, in a song i don't like a song that ends suddenly it gets you gets you in into it for three minutes and then kind of kicks you back out on the street again like a Cruel mistress. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I feel this um, this track kind of highlights for me that this feels very much like um, one of Nick Rhodes' most. It feels very much like a Nick Rhodes album. In the past, they've experimented very much with the more rock side of things uh, on on some of the tracks on Pop Trash, and they've been more. Um, more guitar based on when Andy Taylor came back in the fold and they made Astronaut 
but this very much feels like um, a, a really playful album where the synths, which for me, um, I think if you take away the synthesizers, Duran Duran are just, they're just a band. A band that can write great lyrics and great great songs, but a band. But, and it's it's the the iconic moments from Duran Duran's back catalogue come from the synthesizers. Um, and I think they're, they're allowed to shine on this album, and particularly this song. I was just thinking, though, a good album title for the future. Um, Revenge of the Synths. <laughs> Any Star Wars fans out there? Or not. Um, <laughs> um, let's, let's head on to our next track, though. We call this condition Danceophobia. I'm going to keep you in for observation. I may have to work on you throughout the night. We have to trust each other. And together, 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 I think we can beat this thing before the music ends. So, the unmistakable voice there of Britney Spears? Mm, no. Not quite. Lindsay Lohan. Oh, who? The other um, uh, American teen icon who released that famous single... I, I can't well, name. I know she released some music, but I can't remember yeah, what she did. I can't but, name one of her songs. Um, providing an interesting spoken word bridge to this song, actually. Um, whatever you think of her, she's here on this track. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a really good fun track. I was lucky enough to see this when I saw them live at the O2. Uh, they played this, and Lindsay Lohan appeared. I think it was the only date on the UK tour, actually, she appeared in a shimmering gold dress, looking lovely. Is it like Gina G, Eurovision 1996 sort of dress? Lindsay wishes. <laughs> and uh, she fluffed the lines, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. But she still got paid. She she got her £10. She's doing OK. A Dublin Red Smith gift card, and uh, <laughs> off she went. But uh, have you ever suffered a bout of dancephobia? Uh, often, and I am prescribed frequent fluids of the red stripe variety. Oh, and actually, gradually over time, it it, uh, it subsides. Yes. Um, I know you don't suffer with such a problem. In no, fact, you were finding it hard to keep still just then. Yes. Well, I'm I'm, I'm uh, trained in uh, ballet, jazz, and modern, so uh, <laughs> I do okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, this so this song. What a fun song! It's just pure fun, and I have this vision. They've got they're in the studio, and they've got these kind of top quality producers on board and they're working with world class um, contributors and Lindsay Lohan and <laughs> um, and and they sort of decide should we put this song on the album because it's very it's a little bit cheesy and it's a little bit polished and, and camp almost and you know what are the critics going to make of this and then they realise you know fuck it let's just put it on because it's our album and <gasps> we do what we want anyway this is an X-rated podcast ladies and gentlemen um I think it's. Do you remember, did you ever hear the song "Bedroom Toys" from the Astronaut album? No. Then I recommend it. And uh, yeah, it just kind of sits in there. It's a bit. It's a bit of fun. It's a bit. Oh, you need strange. that in an album. Um, in the in the mix, you've got the big singles. You've got the real meaty album tracks. I think you need something a bit more lightweight or something a bit more throwaway in the mix. Definitely. Um, and this is definitely that track. Definitely. It reminds me as well. There's something about part of this song or a certain element of this song it reminds me a lot of Kylie's In My Arms the production which I think was Calvin Harris Kelvin Harris Kelvin yeah. Harris Calvin Harris <laughs> um, yeah as soon as I heard it I had that kind of 
that idea in, out of the production. Which um, is no bad thing. <laughs> it's not. It's not a bad thing. Um, so, time for the next track. And what are the chances of this being um, a really good list? Staring at the world and waiting for the one, but the world won't look away. The world does not explain. So, just put our lighters out there <laughs> and climb down off our chairs. Um, that's just the vocal on that song. It's yeah. It's just stunning, isn't it? It is. As we mentioned before about how his, how his vocals are better than ever, and I think that song shows it off probably more than any song, actually. Um, and as well, as mentioned before, that in the, um, in the verses, particularly the first one leading up to the chorus, the way they, they layer his voice together, it's like, it's like some form of... It's like some sort of lasagna. There's so many layers in there. Oh, it's like audio silk. Wow. Yeah, I feel that. Um, but yeah, that it's funny because I think some people think of Duran Duran and they think of Girls on Film and the Wild Boys and uh, and well Reflex. and well they should because they're brilliant pop songs. They're absolutely, but also I think as well they're they're just as known for their ballads. Ordinary World was a huge oh, hit in the nineties. Yeah. Uh, Save a Prayer from from the Rio album. Um, and this is just another example of those those huge ballads that they do so well, um, and it's some, I think there's some Glockenspiel in there as well, which is uh, I do love the word Glockenspiel. Is it Spiel? I said Spiel. Glocken. It's the noises your mouth makes whilst you're uh, saying it. That's uh, absolutely enchanting. Yes. And do you know who's playing guitar in that song, and who wrote the guitar part? No. Uh, you might not know his name. His name. His name's uh, John. Frushkanti, I think it's pronounced. Um, and I uh, know you were really working on the pronunciation of that name before we started recording, just to get it right. So let's hope that it was a, right. That was actually another name that's coming up later. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to know how you pronounce it as well. But yes, that's uh, John Frushkanti, <laughs> I think I said it right then, from Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, a friend of John Taylor's. So he appeared, another guest on the album that isn't as mentioned as Janelle Monet or Lindsay Lohan, but he's there as well. And I, I do love those little kind of the more kind of backdoor collaborations on an album where it's not a big song and dance, but then you discover someone special was involved in that. Absolutely. That's what a lovely thing to hear. In fact, I've got a real tip of information for you later that's not even, even the big Duranis don't know it, but we'll, we'll get to that in a few songs. Oh. Well, let's get on to the next song and maybe we'll hear that. It's so Sunset Garage is a song that I love from this album, but it is definitely not a favourite from the album. Um, and I think I, I read that Simon Le Bon had to fight really hard to get the song on the album. Um, and it's great, but it does stand out. 
it doesn't well it, it stands out because it doesn't fit in as much as the rest I'm not surprised to hear you say we had to fight to get on there because for me and I mean this with great love but it is a bit of an album filler track for me yeah it's it doesn't stand out it doesn't grab your attention it's not experimental it's not fun where do you fit it other than the it's a bit of a it's not a killer it's a bit of a filler yeah there are, there are bits about it that I really like there's um in particular there's a bit in the bridge where there's the kind of uh, the kind of piano like striking down the piano keyboard um it's a bit more 60s than anything else I've done for a while you could imagine it I've got kind of a reminds me of the kinks a little bit or something like that um but yeah not the strongest song on the album um but you, not every song can be a banger can it no but thankfully it's time for the next track is it a banger um I do like it So that's Change the Skyline featuring Jonas Biera. Uh, and that was the name you were practicing, uh, pronouncing earlier. And that was, and I'm pretty sure I got it wrong. Um, um, and who is Jonas Biera? So he's in a band called Mew, um, a, a Norwegian band. Um, but he was in a supergroup with um, Mags from Aha and one of the members of Coldplay, um, which they released an album about five years ago. Um, and I think they formed just because they were creating a track for a, some sort of documentary on BBC. So there's a song of theirs called Data Scroller, which I would highly recommend listening to. Um, but the interesting the interesting story I had about this song is that, do you know who co-wrote it? No. Allegedly. Uh, so apparently Brandon Flowers co-wrote this song and was supposed to appear on it, perhaps taking Jonas's line. Um, but around the same time, New Order released... Music complete, and he appears on Superheated. coming coming to a podcast near you soon. Quite possibly, <laughs> definitely, maybe. Um, and apparently, his record label said he couldn't appear on both tracks, which is a shame because they're two huge influences of his. So he had to choose, or he, the decision was made that he was going to be on the New Order album. So he he isn't featured on, as a vocalist on here, and he doesn't appear in the songwriting credits either. So. There's also part of the story that says that the, this finished version of the song isn't quite the version he co-wrote, but imagine that. Imagine well, it is, a, it is a shame, isn't it? Because you could see, you know, fans of The Killers, also are, are likely fans of New Order, who also are likely fans of Duran Duran. And, yeah. and I'd certainly love all three of those groups and would really enjoy any collaborations across any three of those combinations. But uh, And you know who else Brandon Flowers loves? Pet Shop Boys. Who uh, we quite like. Um, just a just a little bit, and I think and imagine a collaboration between Brandon Flowers and the Pet Shop Boys and Duran Duran and New Order. Uh, and there's a super group. That is the thing. That... You can forget electronic. Um, whatever that would become would be the su- the super group. Um, yeah. um, but weren't electronic a good group? Perhaps we'll feature them on a podcast. Well, there's, a, there's an album very soon. Um, okay, so next. Um, we're a bit divided on the next track um, yeah. and we'll discuss that after we played a small clip. 
to hear Lindsay Lohan back on that track. That, oh, no, <laughs> sorry, that wasn't Lindsay. That, that was actually Britney Spears. <laughs> or maybe it was long-time collaborator, backing vocalist, an all-round lovely lady. Anna Ross. Yes. Yeah, who just released her first solo album with um, some tracks written with Simon Le Bon and a couple of remixes from John Taylor. So a nice little plug for her there. Um, lovely. At the, at the ripe old age of... Uh... Oh, we shouldn't discuss ladies' no, age. No. Uh, so, the track that divides us, you don't like that song, is that right? No, you don't like that song. Oh. I, I really enjoy that song. I think it's it's light, it's fun, it's dancey. You know, what's not to like about that? It's too light, it's too fun, it's too <laughs> dancey. Um, there's something about it for me. I think it's... This is kind of the bassy drum start that's reminds me of like a sped up um, Billie Jean or something like that. And then there are bits about it that remind me of really the wrong side of the 80s, the 80s that Duran Duran weren't. So like it reminds me of really like hair metal kind of 80s in parts, maybe with a guitar solo that comes in later and stuff like that. Um, see, I just, I just don't see that. No? No. It's funny how... You know, a difference of opinion. Well, we're not going to... And that's not the point of what we're here to talk about. We're no. not always going to both enjoy what we're talking about. And I'd rather... Neither of us enjoyed what we were talking about. You'd rather that? Yes. So I'd rather this was a very uncomfortable experience. I'm feeling quite uncomfortable now, actually. Good. Um, but yeah, so possibly my least favourite song on the album. Mm. Not to say I completely dislike it, but could have done better. Uh, perfect time to go on to the next track then. really well and I've discovered I think this album proved my theory is that on a 12 track album they do a really strong dramatic 11th song So Is Ast- that always the case? Well so on Astronaut you've got Point of No Return on Red Carpet Massacre you've got Dirty Great Monster um, and on Paper Gods you've got Only in Dreams and I think it is a really kind of dramatic um, you know the lyrics talk about vampires and limousines and all that kind of thing it's got a really strong breakdown for the bridge um, and throughout then the chorus has got the kind of jerky synth going through it um, yeah it might not be the it might not be the strongest track on the album but it's certainly a dramatic one what do you think? I think I, I went on a bit of a journey with this song um, I didn't like it when it started and then a couple of minutes in I liked it and then towards the end I was waiting for it to finish okay so I'm not going to beat around the bush but um, no. That's, there's no point. I think I have I have many fa- I have many favourite songs on this album, um, and I'm not going to hold back if I don't like another song. That is yeah. clearly a band favourite though, because they chose to play it on the Paper Gods tour, um, and one that they featured Mr. Hudson on as well when he joined them for the backing vocals live as well. Lovely. Hmm. So we're on to the final track. Um, 
Unless you've got the special edition version, but we're not going to cover If you've that. got the special edition version, do keep listening, but we won't be talking about those tracks today. Perhaps talk about them amongst yourselves. Perhaps let us know on Twitter um, what you think about the bonus tracks on the deluxe version of the album. But for us, this is the last one of Paper Gods. It's the Universal Love. into the light well done pat think, on the back I think it's 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 a big it's a big finish isn't it to the album I think it's one of their most epic and iconic album closers since um, actually possibly ever gosh yeah. I wrote as we were listening to the as we were recording the podcast we listened to the entire song and kind of jot down New things that come into our head are just a reminder of, of of what the song makes us think of, and I just wrote down "epic." I think it's one of their most epic songs that they've recorded today. It's obviously lyrically they're talking about, um, I suppose it's like the end of the world, um, and I had, I, I think it wouldn't surprise me if it was inspired in some way by Hans Zimmer and the way he writes mm. his, his soundtracks with the choir certainly at the end, but throughout you're taken from this really gentle start and then you're thrown off with this. The kind of the the bass and the the groove kicks in, and then suddenly there's all these strings, and then there's a, a, this huge guitar solo, and then the way it distorts at the end, which kind of makes makes me think of Depeche Mode or something like that. It absolutely, I said before, I had two favourites along with Face for Today, and they're kind of polar opposites. Mm, but this is my other favourite. Very different tracks, yeah. Potentially as well, one of my favourite Duran Duran songs ever. You, and you, I think for me, you, that choir could carry on for a couple of mins more, and it would still feel you'd want to hang in there. You'd want to let that just stay with you. Yeah. Um, what a lovely way to end the standard edition album. Obviously, um, if you listen to the bonus track version, the deluxe edition, uh, there are some more tracks there for you. But you've got Planet um, Roaring, you've got Valentine Stones, and you've got Northern Lights, and actually, they're all quite good, actually. Uh, quite good. They're all definite bonus tracks, <laughs> but they're very good ones. Um, so that brings us to the end of our journey through Paper Gods. But I think we'd be remiss for finishing here without some further listening, as we always do. Um, and I think we wanted to just to go a little bit further back, but not that much further back. Yeah. So with this one, with further listening, we decided to keep it to the current lineup of the band. So. Um, since Andy Taylor left again after the astronaut period, uh, we've had Simon Le Bon, Nick Rhodes, John Taylor, and Roger Taylor, uh, who've released Red Carpet Massacre, All You Need Is Now, and Paper Gods. So we're each going to pick a song that isn't on the standard version of Paper Gods as our, our further listening track. So, Will, what have you gone for? Um, I've gone for a song which, for me, um, it's from All You Need Is Now, uh, which was seven years ago now. That's scary. Um, 
and because it still sounds really very current. But I've chosen a song from the album, which is it's my favourite. It's quintessentially Duran Duran, and probably doesn't have the modern beats and edge that we've been listening to over the last uh, hour or forty-five minutes. It's um, Girl Panic. With all the- Um, it's for me. It's what Duran Duran are all about. It's just that the big, bold, bouncy, drum-driven, electronic pop song, which is just—it's in your face. It's immediate. Um, the chorus is so memorable, and we were banging it out as that song was playing just now. Um, it's instantly in your head, and it's instantly catchy. And I think it's just. Even in 2011, it's a great example of that that Duran Duran can do Duran Duran in 2011. Yeah. Um, Even before they come to more electronic influences and collaborations in uh, 2015. What do you think of it? I I do like this song a lot. Um, But it wasn't ever my favourite from this album. I really... I love the video. There's that kind of nine-minute video with... Um, Naomi Campbell and all those huge supermodels uh, acting as the band members and it's kind of got these little cutoffs in between uh, really great video great song it's just if you remember at that time Duran Duran had said they were going back to the 80s and recreating that sound and for me some of the songs were just a little bit too like the earlier stuff and you could almost say like oh that's a recreate that's a that's a that's a version of that song that was around twenty years before. Yeah, that's a version of whatever, and that is a version for me of Girls on Film. Um, so great, fun song. I agree with everything you said about it, but potentially for those reasons, not one of my favourites. I mean, I don't, I don't think it is a version of Girls on Film. But if it was, is there anything really wrong with that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so over to you then. So mine is. Everything you said about that song, the immediate chorus and how the drums and how bouncy it is and how uh, quintessentially Duran Duran that is, you're absolutely right. The song I'm going to pick is quintessentially Duran Duran for none of those reasons. Um, so the, my favourite song from that, the current lineup is The Man Who Stole a Leopard. Don't spill my secrets. You were once running. copyright reasons we can only play you 30 seconds of that seven minute epic track um but you can listen to and i do recommend you listen to the full version i think um as we said before it's it's almost a stark contrast to girl panic 
but it's the it's the other it's the darker side of Duran Duran. Mm. It's the it's the kind of very industrial craftwork influenced uh, synths. There, there's, there's the uh, if you look at the original elements of Duran Duran, they had they were influenced by rocks and music and craftwork and Sex Pistols and some real funk as well. And I think you can hear that funk of the guitar in there. Um, you've got the strings as well, and a little surprise appearance from Kalise as well, which is lovely. Um, are you a fan of that song? Um, I hate it so much right now. Oh, uh, no, no, I'm joking. Um, it's quite dystopian, that song, yeah. particularly as we get towards the end. And I think, as much as I love Girl Panic, it's great to see kind of the other side of the coin and that rich, the variation style and and the sort of music they do. And yeah, it's, it's a very good track. Uh, it's not one of my favourites, but it's it's a great piece of music. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, so that's pretty much it from... We're done for today, aren't we? Yeah, that's that's Paper Gardens in a nutshell, track by track, and a couple of other bits from that lineup thrown in. Um, we'd love to know what you think, so please do let us know at Move to Trash UK on most social media platforms. Um, and if you're enjoying the podcast, this is only episode two, but please do subscribe and tell all your friends about it. And do tell us what you think about it as well. Definitely. Um... We're going to be back next week. Can you give us a clue about what's going to happen next week? I think I may need to say some prayers next week. And I think I might need to do that north of the border. Okay. I won't say anything more, but um, yeah, something to look forward to there. Um, But yeah, until then, I've been Warren Cuccarello. I've been Andy Taylor. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 